Learn the most advanced recruiting techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with Rick Gerard. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. Today we're talking about hiring practices that drive great people away. Companies complain that they can't find people, and yet they do a lot of alienating through their actions. I'm Rick Gerard, and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. Our mission is to discuss and deconstruct insights from top-performing entrepreneurs and industry experts. Every week, we uncover tested tactical solutions to solve your company's toughest hiring challenges. Today, our guest is Todd Raphael, the editor-in-chief of ERE Media. So Todd manages a global publications and conference for ERE, a global community of recruiters and others in the talent field. He's also appeared on Sirius XM, VoiceAmerica.com, Wall Street Journal, Time, Forbes, and many, many more. He's quoted quite often, and he's definitely a thought leader in um, in in the uh, talent acquisition uh, game. Um, most recent, I think last year or the year before, you were actually named Glassdoor's HR and recruiting thought leader, right? I think they had a list a couple years ago. Yeah. Oh, cool. Awesome. So I want to welcome you to the show, Todd. Thank you for being here today. Thanks for having me. Rick. Absolutely. So we're going to have a little fun today. So tell us a little bit about ERE Media, if you if you wouldn't mind, just to kind of set the, the stage for everybody. Sure. It's a big community of people in the recruiting and HR profession. We have three main brands, ERE, which is all about recruiting and hiring, SourceCon, which is about finding and engaging people, and then TLNT, talent without vowels, the word talent was taken. So we went with okay. TLNT. And that's all about human resources. And so ERE, we put on um, one that we're talking about most today, ERE, ERE.net. We put on two conferences a year also for recruiting leaders, one in, the, in San Diego uh, in the spring and this fall in Orlando. All right. Excellent. TLNT, kind of like if you made a little small, it would be TNT, right? So dynamite. True. Yeah, I love listening to people try to say it. People, some people call it talent or they go something like that. That must be fun. Yeah. So things we're going to cover today, we're going to talk about what drives candidates away and how do we fix the issues. So let's start with identifying kind of what drives people away. Let's talk a little bit about some of the things you're seeing in the uh, in that side of things. I'm seeing some companies say they can't find people or they can't find good people. You've heard that. Yeah. Or they can't find the right people. The uh, but when you look at their job advertisements, their job descriptions, their career websites, um, all of those types of things where they're advertising, they're trying to find people, they seem, unfortunately, in some cases, I'm generalizing here, but in some cases, sadly, they seem to be looking for actually young, single people. They talk yeah. about um, their workplace and how it's a party and there's foosball and there's ping pong and there's quarterly retreats and things like that. Well, if you're, say, 40 and your parents are, let's just say, 80 and you've got to visit them once a day or twice a day or whatever, and you're barely able to manage your weekend with the smartphone and the work and everything going on nowadays, the last thing you want to do on earth is go to a quarterly retreat with, you know, work. It doesn't mean you don't love your job. That's the last thing you want to do. Some of these things they're advertising are turnoffs for a lot of people. Yeah. So um, not only are they not attracting people, but a lot of people look at this stuff and they say, heck no, this isn't for me. I'm not poo-pooing ping pong or foosball. I happen to love both of them. I have a ping pong table. Absolutely. Um, but as a general rule, I would say companies in some cases seem to be looking for young single people. Well, I, I find that in job descriptions, too, they use those as the, as the perks. It's not really about kind of solving that person's problem. It's like they think that that's going to attract people. 
Like everybody wants to play foosball or ping pong, right? Right. And let's face it, um, the society has changed. It sounds cliche, but it's really sure. true. And I'm not so sure that companies are fully keeping up. There's a whole group of what I would call um, <laughs> working fathers. It's kind of a clunky expression, but um, it's been studied a bit. Boston College is one. They've looked at fathers nowadays and they're fathers are spending about as much time as mothers in many cases on average with kid responsibilities. Sure. Fathers are almost at par now at parity with their wives in terms of how much they worry about the kids and feel guilty when they're missing something or torn between work and personal life in terms of the, how many percent of the fathers versus mothers pick up the kids when they're sick. Fathers are almost at parity with mothers. They're feeling the same thing. And when fathers see these ads whether they're 40 years old or 27 years old or whatever, they in many cases can't do it. And I can reel off a long list of people I know who are fathers who are opting out of, quote unquote, traditional work and are working as entrepreneurs or independent contractors or some other arrangement. And these are so hard. So they're getting that flexibility, right? Yeah, yeah. A lot of them pick up their kids at 3 o'clock. And these are hardworking. One of them is a CEO. These are people who are working crazy hours, high-achieving people. I'm not talking about people who want a break, although that's okay too. No. I'm talking about high achievers who just, it's not working, this thing that where society is ahead of the workplace and the companies are saying, you must be in the office this hour and commute this time and blah, blah, blah. It's not working for a lot of fathers. And and by the way, I've talked about this issue on a few radio shows and some blogs and invariably fathers contact me afterwards, some in tears saying that I have hit a nerve that they are, that um, no one's talking about this topic and that um, they feel as overwhelmed as others, but they feel uncomfortable talking about it and whatnot, yeah. and society doesn't. So there are a lot of groups like this. It's just one, one example. I talked to a woman a couple of days ago. She, she emailed me on LinkedIn. She left Nestle Purina. She uh, was doing a great job. She likes Nestle Purina. She had great things to say about Nestle Purina, and she um, had a good experience there. And she said they're actually fairly flexible, but she got an offer from some company. I forgot what the company is in the moment. And the company generalizing a little bit here, doesn't care when, where, and how she works. Just and as long she, as she gets her work done. Right. And yeah. so she left. She's got this new job, and she's picking up the kids at whatever time they get out of school, 2.45 or 3. And this person's not uh, disengaged and taking a break. She's fired up. She loves this company. Yeah. She's more excited. We're going to work harder because um, she's now got less of a community, less of everything else. And you're hearing – I'm hearing this story over and over – Paul Ryan. But getting back to yeah. getting back to job descriptions, I mean, really, what you're saying is that they're alienating people. They're alienating people. Job ads, job descriptions. You hear people talking about, um, as you said, perks and benefits mostly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and and they're not engaging in the right the, the right people, right? I mean, correct. And then you to turn around and say we can't find anyone. I don't know. It's just silly. Right. Yeah. I would I would I, I would agree with you. I see that a lot of times too. I mean, you know. You, you've got to make your job descriptions attractive to really everyone because you don't know who the most talented person is that's going to fit in that role. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, looking for gems is what you should be doing as opposed to, um, you know, mining the, the coal that's down there, right? Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So the next piece of this would be kind of your first contact, right? When you reach out to to people. Um, and this was a part that I kind of added to our conversation because I find that when people do reach, when recruiters or companies reach out to people, it's about screening the person out rather than screening them in. Do you agree with that? I can't tell you how many people, and you've heard this before, are successful people now who would have been screened out 
by most people. Example would be Elon Musk. People talk about as a presenter, he's boring or he says, I'm all the time or he chooses nails. I don't know what he does. He, he's nervous. He's awkward or whatever. And so if you interviewed him, you might say, oh, he's not charismatic, whatever that means, or he's not passionate enough, or he's not cool enough. He's not going to be a leader. He's not going to be an innovator. He's just too awkward or socially inept or something. Yeah. But that's Elon Musk. You're going to weed him out? It's crazy. Yeah. Um, so I think that the criteria that some companies are using to weed people out don't seem to make sense. Um, totally Going agree. back to what you said about the first contact, yeah, I mean, a first contact, one good thing that's probably missing in some first contacts is what would it take for you to leave or what are you missing now? Um, Boom, Todd, yeah, right there. Todd, you might love your job, but what can I do to make it better or what are you not getting now? Yeah, yeah. I, I call that a career wound. I mean, I think if you can locate somebody's career wound and you can heal it, or have the ability to heal that in your role, then mm-hmm. boom, you've got something powerful there. Yeah. That's much more powerful than what happens, which is somebody goes into a conversation selling their job. Right. Right. Because that's probably easier. You've got you're trying to sell a job to a lot of people. Yeah. The other involves finding out information from an individual. It's kinda like talking to that person though, where it's um you ever had those conversations with somebody where they start telling you, you you're telling them a little bit about yourself and they cut you off and they say, Well, let me tell you more about me. Pretty much every day. Yeah. yeah. Okay. My dog died. Oh, mine didn't. My dog too. It was tough. Let me tell you about me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's scary. Okay. Yeah. So then, you know, the the next thing that you would say probably drives uh, people away, uh, the interview process itself? Yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes I, I read these blog posts all the time on these newsletters talking about advice for job seekers and I feel, feel for them. Um, the things that they're told are must be so frustrating. For example, um, things like you're supposed to not apply for jobs. You're supposed to, because uh, you can't blast a resume, that'll never work. You have to use your network. Yeah, That's fine. But I mean, who hasn't thought of that? I mean, a few people maybe haven't, but like a lot of people, if they've got Bill Gates living next door, they would have hit him up already. Like they've yeah, tried totally. to use their network. They're not people <laughs> who are like, never thought of this. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times uh, these various pieces of advice for job seekers will say, get to know someone at the company and send them your resume and that kind of thing and work through a person, which makes a lot of sense rather than getting lost in a black hole. Yeah. However, many times, if not most of the time, job seekers try that, the person either doesn't respond if they don't know them, or maybe if they respond, they'll say, I don't know you. Could you please apply through our applicant tracking system? Yeah. Most recruiters and employers, unfortunately, don't either have the time or the inclination or whatever to respond to people who they don't know. And that's unfortunate. That's the reality. So I feel bad for job seekers. And you're talking about the interview process. When I read advice given to... Um, well, that, that's that's granted they make it past first contact. I mean, they haven't yeah. even made contact, right? right? I mean, that's, right. that's, that is a terrible thing. I mean, are we too lazy then in, in actually reaching out to everybody and finding out if, in fact, they are good rather than judging just a resume? Lazy or not, I'm not sure I could judge depending on how many you know open jobs I mean, a recruiter I, I, has. It. I've, I've, I'll say myself, I've been lazy before where I haven't <laughs> called somebody based on a resume. Yeah, I mean. And then I did later on and I found out, God, this person is really good. I'm an idiot, right? So yeah. I, I don't, you know, that's just from my own personal experience. So I, I would argue this rather than lazy. I don't remember the number because I forgot everything I ever learned in school, but there was some number of biases (laughs) we're born with, whether it's 67 or 73, primacy, recency, confirmation. All of these biases we all have, and I think we're humans, and so we don't realize that that we have these, and we weed people out or we screen people out in our heads 
based on these biases and it's not so much lazy, but it's more like human nature. Yeah. We say, you know, uh, what were your top 10 movies of your, that you've ever seen or who are your top 10 uh, best basketball players? And we name like the 10 we've saw the last two years as if no other basketball player ever existed before two years ago. Well, that's sure. uh, recency. So we just have this human nature and uh, that and maybe laziness sometimes, too. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I think also people look for commonality, too, as opposed to whether or not this person's going to fit well into the interview. Which is funny because fit is a very highly talked about topic among recruiters. They want people yeah. to fit into the culture. But so is diversity. You can't stop hearing about diversity either. And yeah. diversity and fit sound kind of different to me. Do you want diversity or do you want fit? I mean, that's a big question in recruiting and hiring nowadays. Yeah. Those aren't really the same. Do you want to hire someone who's different than everyone or someone who's the same as everyone? Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. You know, you, you just brought up something a few minutes ago, too, that was kind of interesting when you were talking about um, the fact that people go into an applicant tracking system or respond to their website and they never hear anything back. Why? Well, why aren't we fixing that? That's a huge piece that we need to fix as well. I guess there are two parts to that. One is you're asking why they never heard. The other is why they didn't get a job. No, actually just hearing back in general. I can't I can't find people I'm going to complain about it. But then again, I'm not taking like I've got people coming in and I'm screening them out before I even prior talk to any of these people prior to, to make that assessment. Sometimes you never hear that you got into the system in the first place. That's if you true. get in the here's if you hear in the system you might hear back a few weeks later, but it's sometimes so many weeks later that job seekers are at that point mentally moved on or frustrated. Yeah. So companies are trying to rectify that. They're trying to have systems in some way that will keep uh, candidates informed a little more like you know if you're where your pizza is or where your UPS package is. They're trying to kind of get that to yeah. that point where they can give people more like touch points to follow the process. Uh, along the way and say, well, here's my application was received. Yeah, and there's been systems that are automated that do a good job of that. But also they're automated, so sometimes it's not really giving personal connect, you know, personal feedback. Right. And there's some yeah. systems, I think ZipRecruiter might be one where it says someone, maybe it's not, but they say someone looked at your um, resume or Got looked it. at your application. So there are systems that give you a sense that you are alive and someone has looked at you and, and you are aware of your existence at least. Yeah. We're talking to Todd Raphael, the editor-in-chief of ERE Media. We're going to take a quick break. When we talk, come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about this problem, and then we're going to provide you some solutions on how to get past some of these issues. We'll be right back. You're listening to Higher Power with Rick Gerard, giving you access to recruiting techniques that will help you hire key talent to build your company towards real success. Rick is a recruiting executive and entrepreneur who's been successfully recruiting in the aggressive Silicon Valley technology landscape for the past two decades. After a very successful stint at Apogee, he founded Stride Search in 2012. Based on a lean efficiency model, Stride has uniquely positioned itself as a leader in retained search for the most critical talent hires within a small organization. Whether you're a startup executive or recruiting professional, by listening to Higher Power with Rick Gerard, you will walk away with skills to help you attract and hire great talent. Now back to Higher Power with Rick Gerard. Welcome back to the Higher Power Radio Show. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, And today our guest is Todd Raphael, the editor-in-chief of ERE Media. We just discussed what drives people away and the hurdles we put up in the interview process. And now we're going to talk a little bit about how to fix this mess. So um, we didn't touch upon it, but I wanted to touch upon like job boards and kind of 
evolution of video and AI matching, that sort of thing. What are you seeing that's working kind of along the lines of those those things? You know, it used to be that people would use Monster and they'd go post What's a job. Monster? Monster.com. <laughs> um, are they still around? Still around. It's yeah, kind of like Match.com, right? It's like, Not only still around, but they're, you know, probably doing a lot more business than companies that are much more well-known, you know. But are they then, really? uh, Monster, and then people would um, post a job. You get your 130 resumes from all over the world. Sure. And then you try to kind of sift through them. And I think that kind of process is... is waning a little bit i don't mean yeah. that people aren't posting jobs or people aren't responding which they are but i mean just that there's more to it now um companies have more sophisticated matching to try to push the jobs the resumes to you that are most relevant to you the employer um companies so the right people the right person. people so yeah to target better in some cases you don't necessarily even have to post a job to the outside world. You may have a, a database, an applicant tracking system full of people. Mm -hmm. You post a job, just write out your job description, and it pulls ranks into you the people in your system who you might fit, who you already have in your system who might fit into this yeah. job even before you've even blown out the job to the whole world. So yeah. um, companies are getting more sophisticated. I, mean, I think you mentioned video. There are companies that are using video interviews and there are even these sophisticated systems from companies like HireVue, VUE, um, that go where like the computer goes through the video and is supposed to analyze your cadence and your words and determine who you are based by a computer analyzing your words and your and your tone and your answers yeah. to sort of rank you in terms of could you fit this job. So gotcha. there's a lot more going on than just post your monster job and you're back. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, God, I haven't used a job board in 10 years. I, I know, and I would imagine from what I heard from people in in my circle of influence is that, you know, we're in a really low unemployment market. So you don't get a lot as far as people posting their resumes up on job boards right now. How about LinkedIn? Would you, you don't use that either? Is that not a job I, board? In your... I do use LinkedIn Recruiter. Okay. It's a great tool. Okay. Um, but again, you got to use it the right way. And it's been so, um, it's been so... People have been so deluged with, with in-mails that essentially people don't respond back to anymore. Yeah. And I do most of my recruiting in the San Francisco Bay Area, so it's even you know, tougher yeah. to get people to respond. Yeah. So, so um, where, are you find, where are you finding through your circle of influence or where are the best hires produced? Well, traditionally, the answer has been employee referrals. I'm not so sure that, Boom, that, I, I, that has changed a whole lot. Right. Um, that's a tough one, though, because as you start building all kinds of systems to get more referrals and to figure out who can refer who and whose friend knows whose friend and whose friend and all kinds of technology to do that, you start well, to... Well, you don't need technology, so to speak. You need somebody to just lead that and drive it. But even if you drive it and say, I want to get more referrals, we only know so many people. We don't really know that many more people now. We just have more connections so referrals can only go so far when you're talking about referring to someone who doesn't know someone else. They just go, thanks for the Todd. Thanks for sending along Rick's resume. We'll yeah. get back to him if he's a fit. And you never really hear back. So, I, Well, that's, that's the thing. If he's a fit for what? I mean, a lot of times they don't even know what a fit is for or why that. I don't know. It's a weird phrase to me. Right? And, and there was an interesting study. A uh, professor from Toronto talked about it at one of our conferences. Referrals are not always good. It depends who does the referring. He looked at truck drivers, and the, some truck drivers give 
referrals that turn out to be bad truck drivers if they're not very good truck drivers themselves. Yeah. And the better truck drivers get good referrals that become good truck drivers. So sure. if you're really sophisticated, you have to figure out who's doing the referring, and that's a better source of hire. So in a smaller company, you're probably hiring really key people that are all fairly good, or at least you're trying to. Those are referral sources. So if you're getting three to five names from each person, you can build on that, right? And then you can use each one of those as a referral source as you kind of work through. Sounds good. Some yeah. people would say that if you're a small company who are basically referring three of their friends, that's not diversity, that, yeah. some people say. That's true. Yeah. And you're sort of... Uh, building on the same culture over and over and not getting diverse opinions and thoughts and things like that. Yeah, you, you've got to really make sure that you're cross-pollinizing and not keeping the same person in there. Right. Because then you end up Just with the... With your fraternity. Yeah, yeah. Then you, <laughs> Just a little older and balder. Yeah. Job description of, yeah. hey, we got a really cool ping-pong table. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, there was a famous... Sorry. Uh, famous, for those of us who spent all of our time reading about recruiting, um, study that Google did of their own... Uh, source of hire you talked about. You asked me about what the best sources of hires are. And uh, Google did a study, as you may have heard, and a lot of people have heard, and found out, surprisingly, that their best hires are not from the best sources that they thought, like the best colleges, or even college at all. And they yeah. had to really go back to square one and go, wait a second. Um, Google's, we're not, we're not getting the, we're not finding the best people from what we thought were the best places. And they have to rethink everything now about is elite college, what does that mean even to be go to an elite college? There's another company, big software uh, company that told me that they're one of their top colleges, if not their top source of hire, they realized was the University of Illinois at Chicago, which no one have ever heard of. We've all heard of probably University of Illinois at Champaign or Urbana from yeah. basketball. Yeah. No one's even heard of the Illinois Chicago. And that was like their best source of hire. So, and that was, you know, better than I guess some Ivy League schools or whatever. So, but you there's know, you top really... performers in every walk of life, really. I mean, it's just, figuring out how to identify those top performers rather than judging it based on school or kind of, you know, whatever they're – you look for evidence of success in whatever they do. Right. Yeah. Um, there's a guy who um, if you followed all this who's playing for the Angels now, Otani. Okay. Show, I can't even say I, I don't follow baseball. But. Okay. So there's this guy, Otani, who's playing for the Angels. He came from Japan. Okay. He's tearing up the league. Japan, everyone agrees, is a slightly worse baseball league than American baseball. If you put that in corporate terms, most people would not have hired this guy. They would have said, oh, he came from, he didn't come from McKinsey or wherever, yeah. or Google. He's not going to be as good as someone who came from McKinsey or Google or Netflix or something. He came from an inferior ex-employer. But the Angels and everyone else was able to determine this guy has the right skills, the right talent, the right everything else. And now he's tearing up the American major leagues as he was in Japan. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, you know, just on the flip side of that, I've placed people out of Google at other companies. And they haven't been the greatest hires that they've mm. made. You know, But they probably have reason. a job for life because they got Google on their resume. <laughs> probably, yeah. yeah. I would imagine. I mean, it's really easy to get those people interviews for sure. Mm. Um, everybody wants to talk to somebody out of it. There's just that kind of. That that per, the the thought that if I hire somebody from Google, my company is just going to go, right? Maybe that that they went through the Google hiring process. If Google accepted them through a tough, sophisticated hiring process, they must be really good. Yeah. So how do we change up the mix of where we recruit? So maybe do the opposite of what we've been doing. Yeah, I mean, some companies are starting to look at different colleges. 
um, and asking themselves. And it's not it's not uh, at all about loosening their standards. It's about like just looking at your hires and saying, all right, are the places we think are producing the best hires, are they? Or are they not? So some companies are broadening their mix of colleges, broadening the list of ex-employers. Yeah. Some companies are being more open to like ex uh, people who have a criminal records that they didn't used to be. Hmm, that's pe- interesting. People with disabilities that they would have weeded out. Uh, military people who have been in the military and trying to figure out what, how that experience translates into corporate life. Yeah. So all sorts of things like that. And there's a company, Allied Universal. It's the merger between two, I think, Allied Barton and uh, Universal Security Service or something. Two security companies merged. They're offering um, like a bounty, a few hundred dollars, four hundred dollars or something, to small nonprofits who can get them a hire. So going all around the country and saying, "Hey, um, local goodwill of Costa Mesa, if you can get us a couple employees to be security guards and we hire them, we'll give you eight hundred dollars or whatever." Oh, nice. So you know, just by kind of broadening out like that, doesn't sound like so. That they're, much. they're actually doing it for other businesses. So again. They're taking more of a B2B approach and actually they're recruiting efforts. They're doing it like I think for like nonprofits, like a Goodwill sure. or a local veterans group and things like that. Because they're getting the write off as well, right? As a donation? Uh, I don't know. know. No, I don't know. But uh, <laughs> certainly, you know, $400 can be a lot of money for a small nonprofit, say, a, I don't know, a literacy group in some small county, um, and then everyone wins. Yeah, that's definitely. Um, but, oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Another thing you were talking about uh, what companies are doing. Job descriptions. Some people are taking a fresh look at their job descriptions to go back to that and having their even vendors now who can look at your job descriptions and say, I oh, know, talking about Star Wars and ninjas don't always attract people and things like that. They no. don't try to attract everyone. So taking a fresh look at job ads, job descriptions is another thing some companies are doing. That, that's something I actually gave a talk on is job descriptions and how to flip them upside down or write them so they're more engaging. Because if you think about it, if your marketing department wrote your company information, like you write job descriptions, they get fired. <laughs> right. How terrible are they, right? Right. You know, it's more, it's, it's that, let me tell you more about me and why you should come work for me because I'm special, right? Right. And it's just, it's really selfish and not engaging and, and it's a turnoff. Yeah. You know? Some of them, by the way, I've gotten a lot better. Uh, however, they all tend to, the ones that are good, tend in general to describe attributes of a job that are the same as other jobs. Yeah. So they'll say, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know, opportunities to move up or something. And that's what everyone else says. So it's really, you really have to kind of look at what you're offering and how it's special and how it's different, what's great about your company, and then work that into the job description. I, I take it from the perspective of I want to touch that person first and get them buy, bought in. So I want, to, I want to open up my career wound in the, in the message just to get them thinking, oh, okay, well, this place is different. So most people are open to hearing about something because they don't have growth, they're tired of the work, or there's bad leadership. So why not touch upon those things in the job description? Yep. You know, um, if you can, if you could spark something there, then now you got them reading and and then take it a step further, give them a clear picture of the challenges of the role and what they need to accomplish. And by the way, some companies are offering uh, videos in their job descriptions, and some companies. Wait, how do you do video job descriptions? Well, some companies have categories like okay. um, I think it's uh, H&M, the real t- retailer, mm-hmm. and the clothing. So they'll have uh, a category like um, assistant manager, and they'll have someone talking about what it's like to be an assistant, to be assistant manager. manager. Other companies are taking That's it a cool. step further, and they'll have the manager, the specific manager you're going to work for. And that person will make a video of three to five minutes or whatever talking about that mm-hmm. specific job. And then you get to kind of meet, so to speak, that manager themselves. 
Um, Maybe we should have marketing for now on right job descriptions. Have your marketing department do it. They can't do any worse. Yeah. <laughs> well, by the way, there's another company, Stories Incorporated. Mm-hmm. Sort of a tangent, but um, interesting. Instead of asking candidates for references, they're giving, they tried giving references of the manager. They said, here are some phone numbers of people who have worked for the manager you would work for. Why don't you call them and see what it's like to work for that manager? And we're going to give you people who don't work there anymore who quit because we're so confident they'll say good things about that manager, even though they quit. That's ballsy and really cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, what if your manager was terrible? Yeah. I guess you have to really monitor your glass door reviews to make sure that that manager doesn't have any bad. I think in this case, it was one manager, yeah. the CEO, who they did, did okay. it with, I think. Yeah. yeah. That, I mean, it's great, though, if you've got management like that, for sure. Yeah. All right. So just to sum up, fix the job descriptions. Fix the way in which you engage people, right, and how you reach out to them. And um, one thing we kind of left out is, is follow-up. Um, a lot of people complain about the fact that they go in, they do, they go through the whole process, and then the company disappears. They never hear anything back. Just kind of a thanks for <laughs> thanks for coming. Uh, we'll get back to you, and they just never do. And it has been documented over yeah. and over with companies like Virgin America. I'm sorry, Virgin, the, the global brand. Um, those people who don't get follow up and have a bad experience are less likely to want to fly on your airline buy your Starbucks coffee yeah. or whatever. Yeah. We're customers and we're job candidates also. Yeah. That's a key. That's a great point. Your customer as well as a candidate. I mean, you should treat everybody like they're a customer. Right. Boom. I love that. <laughs> All right. So we're just about out of time uh, for today's show. Todd, thanks so much for the time investment today with our community. Um, now, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people that are interested in finding out more about you and your company. How do they reach you? Uh, ere.net is perfect. It's our website and our fall conference in Orlando is ererecruitingconference.com. It's a bit of a mouthful. Do you want to talk a little but, bit about that? What's, sure. We have two yeah. conferences a year for recruiters and recruiting leaders. First just wrapped up in San Diego and the second we rotate to different cities this fall in Orlando. And we have two and a half days of speakers from all around the country, if not the world, talking about doing a better job at recruiting and hiring and attracting people. Awesome. Yeah. I need to get on that agenda. <laughs> All right, so you. I want to thank our listening audience for tuning in to this week's episode of Higher Power. A quick thanks to our team, our engineer, Paul Roberts, our producers, Andrea Ballin, Shanti Ryle, and Kim Iverson. To listen to this show and any past episodes, you can check us out at higherpowerradio.com or Higher Power Radio on iTunes and Spotify. Uh, follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook at Higher Power Radio Show, or you can follow me on Instagram at Rick Gerard one. We have another great show lined up for you guys next week. Our guest will be Nick Livingston, the CEO and co-founder of Honit Software. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. Thank you for listening to Higher Power with Rick Gerard on OC Talk Radio.